Welcome to Pitch Intense, the Final Entertainment Movie Pitching Podcast, and today we are tackling the problem of pitching a brand new Star Wars spin-off movie. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. The problem is, <laughs> when we set about the task of this, Just, we were there was no stopping Star Wars spin-offs. They were coming into inter- into infinity yeah. in the future. Um, we had an Obi Wan one in the mix. We thought we were going to get a Boba Fett one. Turns out that's what's going to be the uh, Star Wars TV show, uh, Mandalorian, uh, so on and so forth. There's no end in sight. Since then, because <laughs> we, we started thinking about this before the hiatus even started, so yeah. we've had a long time to work on these script, as it's about to become evident in Michael's pitch. Oh. Um, and since then, they've said they're maybe cooling on Star Wars spin-off movies. Yeah, this was a good idea about nine months ago. <laughs> really was. Um, unfortunately, we've been letting the idea sit and fester for um, nine months, and now it looks like... Well, Disney's... we're too far down the rabbit hole now, yeah, so... I've written the fucking thing down, I'm well, going to carry maybe, on. Maybe, Michael. What? Disney will hear this hmm. and say, oh, that sounds like two really good ideas. <laughs> we should do that instead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of didn't really... Um, give ourselves any limitations, uh, unlike our musical um, pitch and our upcoming sequel pitch. This is just kind of whatever you want to do. Pretty much. Whether you want it to be smack bang in the kind of region they're already filling out between three and four, or, you know, in the future, in the past, anywhere in between, knock yourselves out. Pre-established characters, brand new cast, everything was optioned. And I think we've both gone for slightly different approaches. I think we have, but I think we've both run into the same problem of the Star Wars canon being a bit of a mess at the oh, minute. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Ugh. Because yeah. there's two different versions of what is Star Wars canon. Yep. So that's already confusing. Um, I did actually put as a prelude. I'm going to read it out um, at the start of mine, which is right. I have checked Wikipedia. I'm sure this is true of both of us. I have checked Wikipedia as closely as humanly possible to make sure everything in my movie is in line with canon. Certain aspects of Legends material are present and have been reworked. There's kind of two things. One that is um, delineates from what I think is Legends timeline stuff uh, in terms of it's more age matching of just lining things up like that. Um, and the uh, another part of it is really annoying that I found out about yesterday and had to awkwardly crowbar into my movie, which I'm not happy about, but there we are. Anything we have mistakenly put in the movie that contradicts canon, we apologise for, but you try writing. We've tried our best. Like, this canon is... Oh, God. Because the the current Star Wars canon is basically taking the bits of Legends that it likes and running with it and reintroducing. Which I understand that because, you know, they they had a hell of a job on their hands. If they want to make new material to, to have none of that clash with established canon, considering the mountain upon mountain of, you know... Books, comic books, etc., that had come out beforehand. To kind of draw a line under all of that and then cherry pick makes sense, mm. I think. I know a lot of people aren't happy, but they are picking, like, we've already had General Thrawn brought into things, um, and a lot of the stuff that people were happy with yeah. have been brought in to add to the new stuff that they're creating right now. So, um, now I'll, I'll say after that, Michael's going first. Yep. Uh, now, my, I took more in line with what they're doing already, mm. in that this is, um, it's, has pre-established characters in it that we already know. Um, it would be within the timeline. Uh, I won't say when until it's actually my time to pitch, but it's it's within a certain, like living age of the current movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it feels like something that would have been greenlit 
not to blow my own trumpet, uh, it's something that could have been greenlit had they not put a bit of a, a freeze on current spin-offs. Yeah, uh, same sort of thing. I've tried to stay within canon and I've not played with any pre-existing characters. I've borrowed heavily from Legends, but we'll get into that yeah, as crazy we go along. Bitch. I start my pitch, Darren, with a simple question. Which character has appeared in every single Star Wars movie? I mean, everything. Every um, single movie. R2... Ah, no, because he wasn't in in Han Solo. So that's C-3PO8 as well. Yep. The concept of the Force? Mm, You're close, but no cigar. Um, Oh. Is it R2-D2 because he's technically reading out the journey of the wheels in the future and therefore he's the unreliable narrator of all of this and therefore has kind of appeared in all the movies, even the ones he doesn't actually appear in on screen? No. Okay, no. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Although, <laughs> that being said, good idea. Um, well, that's canon. Oh. George Lucas is canon. Oh. He said the entire thing is R2-D2 retelling the story of the Star Wars so if in it was, the future. So if it was as true to life, it would just be... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that also explains why there's sometimes mistakes and yeah. gaps and, and, and uh, plot holes, because R2-D2 is an unreliable narrator. He wasn't there for all of it. He's just retelling it. Which just, I love, because it makes R2-D2 the most important character. I mean, he's never going to die. Two things I'm very happy with. Maggle. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, think more more static. Uh, I have no idea. The single most important character that's appeared in every single movie, including the spin-offs, is the lightsaber. Ah, oh, okay. So you see where we're going with yeah, this? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Where are we going with this? Okay. Um, do you want a title, or do you want me to just go straight into it? Um, it's your pitch, Michael. You do what you want. Okay, fair enough. Um, so the title of mine is "Elegant Weapon: A Star Wars Story." Oh, mm, okay. Oh, um, Come on, Port. Straight away, this is an Edgar Wright movie. Oh, yeah. Billy Big Bollocks over here. Billy Big Bollocks. You think I'm... he's going to go back to Disney? Mm, this, they, when they say, we want you to make a Star Wars movie with the people that you that have been in your movies before, who love Star Wars, and we want you to make your movie. Okay, I will admit, I had Edgar Wright down as my director for the MI13 pitch, yeah. which was slightly more unlikely of him going back to not only Disney, but Marvel as well. Mm. That, so, yeah. okay, no, good choice. But, yeah, uh, uh, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do the first bona fide, actual, workable Star Wars comedy. Oh, oh good God. The <laughs> testicles on this boy, okay. Here, here we fucking go. So we open um, roughly because timeline nerds will fucking mm. castrate me if I don't say a year. So we open roughly 7,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. <laughs> so, and trust me, I've had to check time and time again about where I could put this stage of the Jedi Order in mm. here. Um, this is the only one that works. I have tried to define what I have perceived the canon to be. And that comes into this scene. Anyway, so we open on, oh, excuse me, we open on the planet of Tython. Uh, so we travel through, it's a natural sort of beautiful planet, very jungle-esque, uh, before we arrive at a temple, a big stone temple that is known as Akar Kesh. Uh, it's an early Jedi temple, it kind of looks like Stonehenge. Um, and we get this narration over the top uh, from Jasper Pakkanen, uh, who is, he was in uh, Black Klansman, uh, but he's playing a character called Master Ketu. Okay. Uh, and this sort of gives context as to where we are in the history of the Jedi. So he's, so he tells us, the audience, and also the initiates of these Jedi trials, that, you know, around 2,000 years ago, so 9,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, the prime Jedi 
founds the founded the Jedi Order on Acto. From there, the Jedi village prospered, it grew in size, and as the final act of the Prime Jedi's life, he used the Force to cre- create four transport ships known as the Tho Yor. This is all Deep's lore, Darren. I'm, I'm bringing it all Okay. Out. This is just for one thing where, like, big tracking shot, bit of narration. Right. Um, so each of the four um, major Jedi Knight successors, Rajavari, Ter Sendon, G- Garonjard, Kayla Bryn, they're all in the fucking canon now. I've been on too many fucking Wikipedia articles. Um, There's some deep dives here. Yeah. The four masters and the disciples use the Thoyor to travel to Tython, Osus, Jeddah, and Ilum, respectively. That's where they established new temples and found the training of new Jedis for thousands of years afterwards. Um, so Akar Kesh, which is on Tython, becomes a hub for Jedi training, Jedi combat training, and turning Jedis from initiates to Padawans. Mm. So from younglings to Padawans. I'm just going to say at this point... Uh oh, carry on. Yeah. Um, so, among the initiates of this new sort of wave that K2 is bringing forward is a young man known as Tem Madog. Mm. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so, he's showing his skills during a combat trial. Um, he's very talented swordsman, but he's really struggling to summon things with the Force. Um, he tries to pull a metal sword towards him and just really struggles. And the other younglings are teasing him. One of them, which is a young, sort of cat-like looking creature called Jake, um, slams a sword into his face and throws a rock at him. And he's bullying, basically. Um, So K2 is kind of looking on and be like, I'm not sure about about this one, point to Tem. Uh, And Tem gets really upset and just storms off. Uh, He throws this sword to the ground... Um, and the Je- and Master K2 says the boy has skills, but he hasn't found his true connection to the Force. In It works in wage- ways we still don't understand. Not now, but maybe some other time. I believe the Force will have great plans for him. And I want to have this shot going in on this metal blade, just panning slowly in. And as the light hits it, the metal just becomes like a beam of light reflecting mm-hmm. the sword. That's when you cut. That's when you do the title. So, 40 years later... <laughs> Okay. Uh, so Tem, now played by Simon Pegg, okay. uh, finds himself in a bit of an existential slump. He's a foul Jedi Padawan, he's closed himself off from the Force, and has found himself attending a meeting with what's known as the Council of Reassignment. Real thing in the canon. Mm. Uh, a representative, played by Jessica Hines, who has been in Doctor Who, Spaced, a bunch right, of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also a Edgar Wright Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of this as like the Jedi Job Centre, yep. if there was one. Uh, so Tem has been rejected from retaking the trials because, you know, he's over 40 now, knocking 50, um, which means he's stuck at his current job, which is being a blacksmith. Uh, Tem is really annoyed at, uh, like, the overly helpful and overly litigious attitude of of this woman. He's just kind of like, yeah, no, can't be computer says no, that kind of character. Mm. Um, and she's like, well, it was either metalworking with Jurisdale at Vertep, which is his forge, mm-hmm. um, or agriculture at Anilkesh, and you never stuck, struck me as much of a, th- a farmer. And he's like, well, you know, I've been surrounded by reminders of my failure for 25 years. I've been doing this job for 25 years straight, no day off. I spent all day making weapons for the people who used to bully me. In contrast, I could have been a farmer, fresh air and nothing to do with any of these trials. And more importantly, I do think it's actually going to be quite difficult to be humiliated by, t- by a turnip. And she's like, oh, I don't know, I've had some wild times on Coruscant. Like, she's oh, a bit... Mm. Right. <laughs> so, Tem's really fucked off. He goes back to work at Vertepe, which is the blacksmithing for the Jedi... Well, they're called Jedi Rangers. Mm-hmm. They're not called Jedi Knights just yet. Right. Um, so, he goes and sees his friend Hawk Rio, who is played by Randall Park. 
Uh, you might know him as the agent from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, fresh off the boat guy. Yeah, right. Okay. Really funny dude. Um, so he is um, a ranger, and he's just he goes back and forth. He actually works on uh, Tython's moon of Bogan, again from the canon, mm-hmm. um, as a security officer at the prison that they have up there. And he swings by to pick up like a new cache of swords for all the guards. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't realised by now. The lightsabers don't exist yet. This is still at a time when the Jedi's were using steel weapons. Right. Although blasters are a thing, but we'll come to that later. Yep. Um, they chat about um, Hawk's sister, Cora, who's a member on the council. She's, in fact, a Jedi master. And they're both currently asking her if they could be retrialed. She's trying to get it past the Jedi masters, although it seems remarkably unlikely given that they're both knocking their 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim remarks that he would refuse the offer even if it was presented. He'd kind of somewhat resents the Jedi Order for being, you know, just bullying him and pushing him down all these yeah. years. They're interrupted by um, another Jedi Ranger uh, called Dagen Locke. Uh, Loke? Locke? I don't know. Mm. Dagen Locke, who's played by Carl Urban. Okay. Because i got to get my Carl yeah, Urban Yeah, yeah, I'll get it. Um, he storms in and rudely demands to Tem, look, I want a new sword. This one can't handle the any extreme conditions and your work is trash. Um, he throws this melted hilt towards Tem, and he's look. And Tem's looking at it like this is not like unlike anything I've ever seen. Talk about you know, it looks like you've dipped it in an active volcano, and he's looking at this cut, this malted cut across the sword. He's just holding a hilt, and he says, "This kind of strikes not as clumsy or random as a blaster. It's precise, it's elegant, and you know this confusion sort of playing on him." Um, from the vision of looking at just this melted sword hilt, we cut to a different planet, Darren. Mm. We're going to Biss. Um, cool, I've always wanted to go there. So the, the cat-like woman, <laughs> cat-like woman, the cat-like Jedi youngling has grown up, uh, so he's now Jedi Master Jake Fenn, uh-huh. being played by Nick Frost. Okay. Because of course. Um, and oh, there's, he's accompanied by another Jedi Master called Murata Sek, who's a Nogri, so it's kind of like a, like a grey sort of brutish kind of figure. Right. Uh, being played by Julia Deakin. You might not know her. I'll be honest, I really just wanted to crowbar the cast of Spaced in there, so she's from Spaced. Fun, okay. Um, they find themselves in the middle of a siege where a village is burning to the ground. Um, the Rakata Empire are the one who's responsible for this. They live on Rakata Prime, another place in the Star Wars universe. It's out in the unknown places near Akto. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've landed on Biss and they've started laying waste to the locals. Um Finn and Sek are attempting to rescue as many people as they can under heavy blaster fire, but elsewhere in the village, uh, a small child branded with, like, burns of this specific letter in Orabesh, that becomes a plot point letter, mm-hmm. um, being, being played by Noah Schnapp. You might know him from Stranger Things. Uh, he's Will. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, he's leading, like, a group of slavers to a corralled group of Bis natives, and he's just looking over them. He points to one of the children and goes, this one, and then... They sort of like talk to each other. They nod at him, and he force chokes the child to death. The um, the parents of the child lunge to attack Noah Schnapp, uh, but he's able to just force push them back. And he says, and he says to his captors, "Right, no other force sensitives in the group. That's it. It's just one." Um, at which point, the Rakatan soldiers just execute everybody. They're like, "Well, we just needed to make sure." Um, an armored soldier pulls out a hollow communicator where there's a hooded figure. Um, looking back, think Palpatine. Right. Um, it says, Jedi Master Jake Fenn is on Biss. Send the boy, wipe him out. So the soldier kind of like looks at the boy and throws this black angular sword hilt at him. Mm. Chucks it at him. 
and says, leave no trace, false hound. Um, and the boys, like, can see in the distance uh, Nick Frost and Julia Deakin uh, bringing people onto a ship. He darts after it, and just as it's taken off and closing the bay door, he jumps in. Mm-hmm. He just makes it. So now we're going back to Tython, Darren. Okay. This is a long one. Um, so elsewhere, we get um, a pilot called Shy Coda being played by Anna Kendrick. Okay. And a Jedi Master be, uh, called Quan Zhong. Uh, he's played by Jacob Anderson. You might know him as Grey Worm. Ah, okay. And they're supervising a famed Republic warrior called Hylamane Lightbringer. This is, this is canon. I introduced this for a very specific reason. Okay. Played by Nathan Fillion. Uh, right. He's kind of like a, like a blustering sort of foppish warrior. Think like a, like a 19th century earl, that kind of right. swagger to him. Oh, okay. Uh, he's arriving on Coruscant. Uh, not, so he's arriving from Coruscant. Uh, they chaperone him into the uh, Jedi Council building. On the way, uh, Shai is shown to have pocketed this little crystal. It's a kyber crystal. Um, and Quan Zhang's like, you're not supposed to have that. They're more than just trinkets. In the order, it said that a Jedi can hone their abilities by wearing one around their neck. A fact that you probably might be aware of if you bothered taking the Jedi trials. Um, so Quan Zhang does forgive Shai and says, like, look, you know, I know you're reluctant to take the trials. You want to stay as a journeyer pilot. Um, but, you know, wear the crystal, contemplate the force. Um, there is a long scene. I'll be honest, it's a massive fucking paragraph I've got here. Um, and I'm going to just skim over the basics. So, here's your Jedi Council, Darren. So we got Jake, who's off-world. Quan yeah. Jong, uh, Grey Worm. Uh, La Mi, who's a Talid, being played by Masi Oka from Heroes. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, Cora Rio is a Twi'lek. She's yeah. played by Sandra Oh. Mm-hmm. Really like Sandra Oh. Okay. We've got a Wookiee Jedi, because it had to be done, called Rur. These are all guys who are in canon, by the way. Okay. Uh, he's being played by uh, sort of like a monster actor, Brian Steele. Okay. Because he just needs to be big and yeah, yeah. fuck off strong. Master K2, obviously. Uh, one of the most important ones on the council is Adjunta Pal, being played by Matthew Reese. Ah! This will become apparent as to why this is important. Okay. And there's a couple of mocap comedy characters, um, Naro and Calais. They're being played by uh, Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci. You might know them as Garfunkel and Oates. No, you don't? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're like a comedy music duo, but I just wanted them in as aliens as for a bit of. Uh... Oh wait, are they the ones that have both been in Big Bang Theory at some point? Yes, right. Okay, that's yeah. them. I was like, for a second, I was like, you've got Simon Garfunkel. <laughs> Could you imagine? Is he alive? <laughs> <laughs> so, at the Temple at Kesh, Lightbringer is there as a representative of the Republic, and they're trying to get the Jedi Order to join. Uh, unfortunately, a huge argument breaks out. It results in Lightbringer threatening, saying, oh, yeah, I'm one of the most popular you know, regents of the of Republic. I'm one of the strongest warriors. I was born inside the Typhonic Nebula that, that created your planet. Like, I am I am the, the Don, essentially. And he squares right. up, squaring up to, <laughs> to Raw, which is a bad idea. So he kind of realises the bluster and is like, I mean... I could beat any of you, but using a Wookiee's cheating. I mean, I've heard they can rip people's arms off. I mean, technically, is, is, isn't that uh, isn't that animal abuse having him here? So, it's bad. Right, okay. It's, it's a bad situation. The The Jedi Order are reluctant to join the Old Republic. It's the Old Republic. Uh-huh. Um, Pal, especially, so Matthew Reese, um, is saying that whilst the Jedi Order needs to respect the Republic, an agreement... Simply can't be reached. It, it, it can't be done. But Master K2 is saying, well, 
it's an option which you consider all paths the force works in mysterious ways that is a long paragraph condensed to a few sentences down Good. So we go that night back to the forge, uh, and Tem has kind of taken these worries to bed with him, and he has this nightmare vision of this masked warrior with a singular piercing red eye um, in, in a, like a visor, which is wielding a sword made of fire. Uh, and in the dream, Tem is completely powerless to stop this warrior from murdering members of the Jedi Council, or people he knows, like Hawk. Um, and he's cornered in a room full of broken sword hilts. And he's clutching, trying to find a full sword to fight back. And his figure's just walking slowly towards him until he hears like this ethereal voice that says, "Use you are a Jedi. Use the light as your blade. And one of the handles he grabs, like a pure beam of light bursts out of it and he wakes up. Right, okay. Um, and he, he's in a sweat and he's like, well, there's no way a weapon like that could exist. That is impossible. Um... Back at the, at the convoy, Quan Zhong and Shai Koda are bringing light, uh, Halloween Lightbringer back to the ship. Uh, when the lights go out, it's a sudden power failure. And the two are inspect, like trying to find out what's happening in the commotion. Um, but then they find in Lightbringer's quarters, they sort of open the door and he's being held up in a force choke by a man wearing a mask with a singular piercing red eye. Ah. And he just sort of turns around slowly to look at the two. And uh, he darts. He just darts straight out the door. Panic. So uh, Shay grabs a sword out of uh, Quan Zhong's hilt and just darts after him. And Quan Zhong's like, no, come back. What are you doing? You're not a trained Jedi. This is going to end really badly. And he would follow on, but he notices that there's a broadcast, an SOS signal coming from the main cockpit. And he goes over and he can see Jake Fenn, Nick Frost, talking back to him. And above the planet, there is a cruiser crashing and burning into the atmosphere. Uh, Jake's trying to steer the ship um, to relatively safe landing. However, he's under attack from the inside. The ship is starting to skim the trees. Uh, Murata Sek says, I'll take the controls. You deal with what's going on back there. Um, And he scrambles through the burning ship. Shit's cut to fuck. It's really bad. And he finally finds the boy, the branded boy, Noah Schnapp. He sort of locks eyes with him, unsheathes the black sword hilt, now, it's not as quick as a lightsaber. It's a bit right. more... Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe not that slow, but... Right. About half the speed of which... You not instant. Right. No. Uh, and it's sort of like... It's a dark purple blade with a black outline. Right. Um, and obviously, Jake's freaking the fuck out. Back to the landing bay. Shai's caught up to the Black Warrior and threatens, you know, threatens saying, who are you? What are you doing? Um, but he too's got a black... A black... Uh, Thingy. Yeah. Want to point out this is called a Force Saber. Okay. This is in canon. Right. Or was in Legends. I brought it back in. Okay. So uh, he takes it out, ignites his sword, and Shai's sword is just immediately melted on contact. Um, during the fight, Shai is able to get a hold of the weapon, but when she grabs it, the blade just immediately turns off. She can't turn it back on. There's no switch on this thing. Right. Okay. It's just a just imagine like a like an iPhone of a thing, like a big slate. No, no physical features right. on it whatsoever. Okay. Um, so a fight ensues, the, and the Black Warrior is able to sort of wrestle the hill back, turn it back on. Um, so when you think it, it's looking pretty bad for Shai Koda, uh, Quan Zhong manages to provide some backup, and they can repel the attack. The Warrior just darts off, knowing that this isn't the day to be doing this. So the Warrior escapes, and Quan Zhong's like, you could have punched him? And, and Shai Koda's like, well... You saw the freaky sword he had. What would you have done? He's like, I'd probably hit, 
try to gut him like a fish at the third chance. Like, and that's better. It's like better than being cut in half by a frozen flame. You know what mm-hmm. I'm about. Um, go back to Jake's ship. The struggle is going very, very badly. Jake is barely able to hold this boy um, at distance. And then suddenly the ship just fucking crashes into the ground. Right. Um, amongst the rubble, the boy's still standing up, just waiting to see if there's any survivors. Uh, and Jake is cradling Murata's sex. She's died from impact. Right. Um, he's about to go and deliver a blow, but then you've just got... Then Tem, Tem just throws a fucking rock. He doesn't know what to do because this has happened just outside his forge. Right. He's like, oi! Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, panic. Okay. Yeah, panic. Um, but <laughs> but he throws the rock and it just knocks the kid out cold. He's like, oh, okay. So they just pick up the child and right. just bring Nick Frost out of the rubble. Okay, child abuse, good. Yeah. Um, and then you get the other ship. So Shay and Quan uh, Jong's ship just lands at the forge and they're like, and Shai says, Jake Fenn? And Jake says, yeah. And she's like, oh, not, not the, no, not, not the human. I get lumbered with a boring name. Oi! Like that kind of thing. And like, should I be worried that you're carrying an unconscious child? And just, just try to ignore that. This little shit just killed a Jedi master. It's like, and Jake's like, can we possibly have this discussion inside? I think I've broken a few ribs. <laughs> so they head on in. Um, and Quan Jong recognizes Jake. So, you know, everyone's on the same page. Jedi master has died at the hands of somebody wielding a sword of fire, which is fucking crazy. Yep. Um, so Jake talks to the branded boy after he comes around and, you know, this, he's scared, obviously, but he shows off his branding and it's like, well, what's your name? Zesh. Zesh is my name. It's like, that's that's Aurabesh. That, that, that's what the marking is. Um, it's kind of a universal language that can be commu- used when communicating with worlds that can't even decipher galactic basic. The branding is cruel in all cultures, but this has to have been put there for a reason. You know, Jake and Zesh says, you know, I'm a force hound. I'm fated to serve my masters. I am as I was made. Um, and he talks about the Rakata Empire and like I was taken in as a small boy, forced to be a warrior. Right. It's all I've ever known. Uh, Tem asks what, you know, how does the sword made of fire work? And Shai kind of explains that, you know, well, I was also attacked by somebody with a sword made of fire. It, it melts anything it comes into contact with. It's mental. Um, and everybody kind of suspects that the Rakata are planning to slaughter the Jedi. And they've got these things called Force Hounds who are trained killers. Uh, and they're used as kind of like a like a personal army as such. They do have a, another fleet, but the Force Hounds are kind of like... Think of ninjas, that kind of thing. Okay. They're, they're, they're the silent killers that go in and take it. Small, infiltrate, etc. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Um, so everyone's kind of a bit weirded out and very intrigued as to why, you know, the Aurabesh branding is all over these people. Um, but it's, it's just something that they're going to have to try and figure out. When they think they're getting somewhere... Lightbringer, who's just been hiding in a fucking cupboard the entire time. Oh, he's not dead. He's not dead. Um, just storms in with like a Jedi peacekeeping force who he's just phoned in. Um, and everyone gets like apprehended and thrown into like a small jail cell. He's smash good to the next day and we go back to that Jedi job center. And she's like, so what you're saying is a small boy hijacked a Jedi cruiser, membered, murdered a member of the High Council and crashed a ship within walking distance of your place of work. Whilst at the same time, some diplomats also got hacked to bits by a masked man and a sword made of fire. I'll be honest, that's a bit above my station. 
Uh, I mainly deal with pay disputes. Right. You do look quite tense, though. So. Oh, Star Wars HR. Yeah. Okay. yeah, have you tried back to tongue therapy? It worked wonders for me. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, they're all released, but obviously they haven't been taken seriously. A sword made of fire seems outlandish at best. Um, Jake, Jake and Quan Jong have gone back to the Jedi Council and said, we were attacked, one of us is dead. Um, but Ajunta Pal is kind of influencing the Council to block the attempts to study the Zesh, the Force Hound. He's like, this murderer. Like, he goes to prison. This is what happens. Right. You know, an eye for an eye. We, we lock him up. Um, so, Zesh gets exiled to the prison moon of Bogan, um, and he's transported away by Dagon Locke, who takes him in, kind of roughs him up a little bit, mm-hmm. just because, you know, he's an asshole. Right, okay. Um, so, Lightbringer's also made as a temporary guardian to the council in the interim, because we may need the Republic's help on this. Right. Um, Jake's like, well, I, I know that we need to learn more about not only who the Forced Hounds are, what the Rakata Empire are doing, more importantly about the weaponry they're using. We, we need to break him out. And he says to Quan Jong, do you know anybody who could help us out at the prison planet? Um, back at the Forge, Tim and Shay are discussing how the Force Saber has been put together and how it could be reconstructed uh, to fight the Force Hounds because anything they use, anything they make, it's just going to get... Completely cut yeah. in half. Um, Shay says, well, I wasn't able to activate the blade whatsoever. There's no buttons. There's nothing. It just it just works in the right hands. Right. And Tem explains that like, it's unlikely that you know it's fire. I doubt that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's magic either. But we could try and make something that kind of replicates it. So they experiment in many different things. One of which is freezing a blaster bolt in place using like carbonite gas. And they sort of get this big lightsaber shaped thing think like a lightsaber toy right okay. kind of screw it into a sword hill and they they go to test it right on a dummy's like okay aim for the head it just smashes straight away right. okay They're like i mean technically it did the job i mean it's damaged but you might have to take more than one yeah this isn't gonna work um and tim's like mm, do you think it was your stance maybe <laughs> you know they're kind of having that awkward yeah. buddy buddy comedy thing um so Shay and Tem discuss the fighting styles, bond over experiences about having not passed or even taken the Jedi trials, and the sh- the two are sharing like a like a master and apprentice sword fighter to another situation. Uh, when Jake arrives and says, "You don't happen to know someone that works in the Bogan prison, do you?" So up on the prison, uh, Hawk is taking a call with his sister, who's saying, "We got attacked. One of us is dead. You might want to get everything on extra super lockdown mm-hmm. for now." Um, at that point, Zesh is being transported in by Dagon Locke, and Tem calls and saying, "Look, I need to call in a favor." And Hawk can see that Dagon Locke's a bit of a bastard, like beating right. up a little kid. Yeah, Not cool. So he's like, "Okay, I'm in. I'll help you out." Smash cut to <laughs> the Council of Reinsight to holding a prison services open day. Because <laughs> again, I'm all about Star Wars oh, HR. Okay. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to crowbar another member of the space cast in there, okay. so there's a, like a little tour guide. Uh, Mark Heap is the tour guide, like right. incredibly overly neurotic and very finely detailed about how everything works. Okay. And Temashe are like, oh my god, this is the most boring thing I've ever been on. <laughs> but they dart off about halfway through as yep. they're being escorted through the cells. Um, Jake and Quan Jong get um, escorted in by Hylomane Lightbringer, who says they're there to evaluate all of the security reasons after the attack on Tython. Um, so Lightbringer is kind of bragging about his feats in battle. He's like, I can't be killed. I was born inside a nebula. No human weapon can never... Bonk him on the head. 
Right, okay. And, cold. Nice. and they give a signal to a camera, and Hawk's like, right, okay. Hawk Rio comes and fetches Harlem, and he's like, I'll put him in the, in the control room, don't worry about it. Go to, the, go to the cell, break the kid out. So, at the cell, they all meet up, and uh, they're about to bust the lock, but then the guy in the mask turns up again. And right. He, and uh, he just, like, taps on one of the, the cells and releases a huge fucking hulk of a thing. Um, I want him played by um, Peter Serafinowicz. Right, okay. Um, kind of big fucking yeah, hulking yeah, big bloke. Dude. He's another Orabesh Aura branded uh, force hound. This yeah. one's called Isk. Has the... Because the, they're, they're all named after the letter they're branded about. Okay. Um, he's played by Peter Serafinowicz, uh, but he's voiced by Ray Park. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to do the switch. Yes. I had to do that. So, like, big fucking hulk. I was like, all oh, right, cheers for that. Thank you. Oh, that's fucking... Genius, yes. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I need, I need my full saber back. And he's, and like the guy in the mask is just like, earn it. And just points at them. And shit goes down. Right. So a fight erupts in the hallway. So Shai's, Sh- sorry, Shai. Shay's facing down with Isk whilst Orek is trying to hunt down the kid. Uh, Jake and Tem just ferry him away as quick as they can. Quan Zhong tries to hold Orek back, but he's literally just sawn in half by the full saber. Literally... Straight in the middle, hands over the side, open and straight through. We don't get time to think about the fact that Quan Zhong's just been fucking cut in two. Right. But Grey Worm's dead. Oh, good, fine, okay. Is he dead in the series? I don't know. I'm not going to ask, yeah, actually. Can. I need to watch you that. You need to watch it. I do. Um, so in the control room, the cells, the cell opening has kind of alerted Hawk as to what's going on, but he, he's got nothing on the camera feed. He has no idea what's happening. Running down the hallway, um, Jake, Jake's like, right, what if we release some of the prisoners? That'll help. No, it doesn't. No, never. <laughs> some of them try to attack Jake and Tam, or the others are like, ah, we're free. Either way, Orek, um, which is the name of the uh, masked man, by the yep. way, which again is the symbol for A in Orebesh, okay. um, is just cutting down people left and right. Just think the Terminator or Michael Myers, just okay. st- dead eye, just so I'm fucking coming. Like Vader... In Rogue One. Like Vader in Rogue One. Right. That's exactly it. So the two fights sort of like meet up in the loading bay. So Isk and Shay have kind of like fought quite brutally through walls and stuff like that. And they end up both in the landing bay. Mm-hmm. Um, J- Jake is able to sort of pull the Force Saber from... Because there's a spare one on his belt, which is Isk. Pull the spare Force Saber from Orek's belt and throw it to Zesh, who like immediately... Ignites the fucking thing. It's Carl Urban versus Noah Schnapp. It's the showdown we didn't know we oh, wanted. Oh, here we go. Okay. So together, Hawk and Shay are able to actually bring Isk down. They don't kill him, but they do bring him down quite badly. And Jake and Tem are able to jump into a ship that's been put in low flight. Um, I should have probably mentioned, Hylamain Lillabringer just wakes up, freaks the fuck out. He's like, I, I need to help. I need to help. Because he's, you know, not that good a warrior. Right. So he brings a ship into low flight just in the bay. They jump in. Uh, and they get the rear gunner out and they just aim it at Orek. He's like, fuck you, bam. He gets shot up against a wall. He's not dead though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone jumps on the ship and goes. The, the prison's fucked though. Like pr- Prisoners are escaping left, right and centre. Um, and in the confusion, there's other you know, mem- members of the museum, museum? <laughs> members of the prison staff are able to try and contain that. Yep. Um, Orek just slips away like, mm-hmm. like a shadow. Right. Back on Tython, um, Ketu, who's the Jedi Master, 
uh, is ambushed in the night by a red-clad warrior with white dreadlocks and a white Urubesh branding. Uh, this one's played by Annette Mahendru. Uh, you might know her as oh god, what's her name? She's in. I remember her. She could... She's in. She's in the Americans. She's the ah, the one in the Russian embassy. Oh, Nina. Yeah, Nina. Yes, okay. Who takes the beam and semen? Yes, yeah, she does take the beam and semen. You get two two Americans reps in there because I am not a particularly imaginative man. Uh, so she escorts him into the High Council chambers, where the hooded figure who gave the order to kill Jake is standing. And the figure says, well, well done, Trill. It's the branding on, right. on Annette Mahendry there. And he kind of exposits about the Jedi are too passive. Uh, when it comes to the Force, you're ignoring any studies about the dark side. But don't worry, I've studied the dark side and I know the power that it possesses. Hood comes down and it's it's a junta pal. It's Matthew Reese. He's your fucking big bad. Ah. Um and then he's like, I intend to bring down this order from the inside and you won't even know it's happened. There's a war coming and I'm going to win. Zaps him with force lightning to bring him down to the floor. And then he's got a force saber, slowly ignites and then just boom, head off. Oh. Um, <laughs> back at the Council of Reassignment. So you went to Bogan to break a killer child out of prison. Uh, you were ambushed by a masked man and a seven foot tall, incredibly soft spoken alien. And a master was cut in two. Gruesome. And then you released several prisoners and held count- held counsel-assigned guardian captive. You shot a man with a ship's rear gun. And what, what I'm really concerned, though, what I really want to hone in on, on this session, is that you're expected to have a shipment ready for a courier today. And uh, <laughs> you didn't really... Mi- and, I mean, couriers aren't cheap. <laughs> you know how it is. I mean, it just contradicts your work your work schedule. You know, you might face sanctions. There might be a disciplinary hearing. So they still met. They're like, this is fucking uh... bullshit. I hate this. <laughs> um, so Hawk has come to live at the forge with Tem since he got dismissed from his guard's position for helping break a prisoner out. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's sort of a bit put out that everything went tits up, but they're all glad to be in one piece for now, apart from Quan Zhong, who's in two pieces. Um, and Tem's back at work trying to make a clone of the Force Saber. And Shay's trying out the inventions and the experiment with reverting blaster tech, which results in the creation of something known as the Proto Saber, which is in canon. Um, unfortunately, to try and get the same kind of power that you'd get out of a lightsaber, they have to have this really weighty thing, like a right. little backpack attached okay. to the thing, and a cord going from this battery into the base of the hilt. Right, like what, um, oh, not Chiritin, way the one, Blaze Malbus with his big gun. He had to have the backpack, like the generation. Yes, thing. exactly. Right. Okay. So think like that, but for a sword. Uh, and Shai's trying to add, like, you know, the, the cable's not really good for fluid combat. This is probably much only going to be a defense unit. Um, the moves are really restricted, um, but they do test it. So Zesh and Shai do a little bit of a spar. It's like, yes, it does repel the Force Saber. We actually have a weapon that if we get attacked again, we can figure this out. Right. Um, Auric and Trill, our two remaining Force Hounds, report to Ajunta Pal, uh, who instructs Trill to watch the group holding the boy hostage. Not hostage, but he's joined them. Yep. Um, and said, wait until they're vulnerable, take them out, retrieve the boy. Uh, Auric, however, is tasked with preparing a coup in the Jedi Order, to which he agrees, removes his mask. It's Carl Urban. Right. D- okay. Dagon Locke is your head honcho Force Hound. Right. Uh, and you can see all these burns he's got across his face and his body where he was hit with the ship can. He's like, don't worry, I won't fail. Uh, so Jake has got Zesh in like a secret room in the Jedi Temple and he's trying to get him to meditate on the light side of the Force. 
and not on the dock. Um, during these sessions, though, it's revealed that once he starts to practice light side uh, practices, mm-hmm. uh, he can't turn the Force Saber on anymore. Right. So they find out. So the way that the Force Saber works is that the user has to have an incredibly strong connection to the dark side of the Force in order to turn the fucking thing on. Right. Okay. The second you stop practicing the dark side, it's gone. It's, right. It's just, it's a paperweight. Um, so in the council, um, you've got uh, Cora Rio saying, you know, Masticator has been murdered. We need to elect somebody to take over the, the council in his stead. And unfortunately, in a vote, it goes to a Junta Pal. So you've got the head honcho fucking bad guy in charge of the Jedi Council. Not going well. No. And Cora knows this. She's like getting bad vibes. Like this guy is, doesn't have the same mm-hmm. kind of connection with the Force that we do. This isn't going to go well. But he's the most capable at the moment. Panic. Panic. Um, so as part of his training, Zesh actually fucking smashes his Force Saber open. He's like, I'm never using this thing again. Uh, this is where they they take the parts like cause, and they like... There's a fucking crystal in here. And Tem's looking at it like, this is really fascinating. And he concludes like, crystal power might actually be the way to solve this. We need something that's kind of focuses a blade to, you know. And this is when Shay's like, well, these, everybody wears one of these. Why do we wear one of these? And Jake tries to explain to her, he's like, oh, everybody says they're just very, very powerful crystals that were supposed to be... Hang on a minute! Uh, oh, crystal meth addicts are going to have a hell of a time with your movie. I know, right? Crystal is the way, what? So the group of like, fuck, it's kyber crystals, that's the answer. So they set off to Ilum, uh, where they are tailed by Trill and a small Rakatan force. You just see them following in the background. Yeah. Um, when they get there, they go to a kyber mine and they meet the foreman, who's being played by Katie Carmichael. I just need to crowbar that last spaced cameo in, in we've got them all there and she guides them down into a mine so they can go and extract some kyber crystals but they're followed down by the Rakatan troop and Trill inside the mine they they harvest the crystals uh, but Trill just like barrels in is like I want the boy Um, and Shay's the one with the proto saber she's like over my dead fucking body it's going down the jewel is awesome the, the, the way I've thought about it so it's incredibly fluid and acrobatic. It's going through the dark caverns. So at points, only the light, the lightsabers, the only mm, always good okay. light sources. They they end up on minecarts. They're having a fucking duel as it's barreling down a fucking okay. mine. Um, all outside of the top of the mines, uh, the Rakatan forces are starting to kill some of the miners. But Tem's like, I'm a fucking genius when it comes to this kind of stuff. Give me some of your you know power tools. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking help you out here. Uh, and starts modifying all the uh, mining tools into blasters. Oh. Like, we're getting the fuck out of here alive. Right. MacGyver. Cool. MacGyver in it, yeah. Uh, so Hawk is kind of like the most accomplished warrior of the lot. He's like, I'm just going to take this into my own hands. Takes a blaster, takes a sword. And then I want to do a shot down a fucking passageway in the mine. That's a little bit like the one from Old Boy. So you view it side on. Yeah. And it's just him going through a fucking group of these Lovely. guys. It's going to be the tits. <laughs> So, Shay eventually overcomes Trillian the Jewel, only for the battery to run out. And the sword just turns off. He's like, I mean, I could kill you the mean look. Um, and Trill sort of flips around. And is like, before she can land a killing blow, the hawk shoots her in the arm. And she has to get the fuck out of there. Back on Tython. Uh, D- Dagon Locke has received a message saying, execute the plan. 
He puts his helmet on and takes off into the temple. He meets up with Ajunta Pal and they head off to the communication center. Thinking that there's something up, Cora Rio has decided to follow them and see what the hell's going on. They go over to a comms tower and they just fucking kill everybody inside. They start up a transmission with the Rakatan Empire and Ajunta Pal says, now's the time, begin the invasion, lay waste to the Jedi Order. As Cora sneaks off, she's like, fuck, I knew something was wrong with this guy. We're about to get invaded. Um, so now that the miners are safe on Ilum, Tem begins to construct like a very familiar-looking lightsaber handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, but the old this is known something known as the first saber in in the legends. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a thing. So imagine like a, quite a rickety-looking version of Obi Wan's lightsaber. Right, that kind of looks like that, but with like a big barrel on the end. Right. He says that the only way to charge this crystal is to add a combustion uh, shot to mm-hmm. it. So you light it like you would a fire. Okay. So when he ignites it, like the bottom part of the hilt does like a bit of a bang and then shoots down like that. A bit right. like a, a piston engine. If right, you like. okay, yeah. Um, and he puts it all together, puts the crystal in, presses the button, bang, and doesn't work. Ah. And he's fucking furious. He throws the weapon to the ground. He's wondering if he's failed at this as well as the Jedi trials. And Jake comforts him and says, you know, being closed off from the Force has resulted in just years upon years of pain for you. And I apologize if I've ever been a part of that. But right now, you're acting with the best intentions. You're the best hope we've got. Maybe it's time to embrace the Force. And terms like this seems like a bunch of shit, but... I'll give it a go. So then we get Darren, a scene where Tem finally accepts the Force. Holding the kyber crystal in his hand, he sits down and he meditates and he thinks, well, nothing's happening. Jake's like, just let it into your heart. Let the Force flow within you. Be one with the Force. Uh. And that's when you start to see the kyber crystal start to glow in his hand. It's yellow. A beaming yellow light. He moves his hand. The crystal floats in front of him. Parts of the lightsaber come together. He holds his hand out. Grasps the hilt. Ignites. It fucking works, Darren. We have it. The first lightsaber. Everyone's crying. He's fucking (laughs) crying. It's like, we're all crying. Oh, we've done it. We did the thing. The foreman comes over and is like, sorry, are you... You Jake Fenn's like, no, Tem, everybody seems to have this fucking problem. I'm, he's the one with the human name. I'm the Forget it. What's the message? Um, so they've gotten a distress signal from Corio saying, uh, Titan's gone to fuck. You need to get back ASAP. Uh, the Rakatan ships on Titan have descended and the temple is being completely stormed. There's confusion and there's chaos and Dagon Lock and Juntapal are now taking full advantage of the situation. He turns and says, now, my apprentice, we exterminate the weakness that is the Jedi Order. And you get a tracking shot where the two just go through the fucking thing. Like, and they're battling. They're completely fine, but they're just cutting folk left and fucking right. They are taking out the Jedi Order. Like, the one from Heroes, they go down. The two comedy characters, they go fucking down. Hylamain Lightbringer attempts to bring a fucking end to this. And he's like, I am the strongest warrior of the Republic. You will not go any further. And this coup ends... It- and he doesn't get to finish that sentence. Ajunta Pal just uses the force to flick a chair at him. He's a boom. Right, okay. Out he fucking goes. And you just kind of hear, ah, and a hand go up. And then 
literally with with his two fingers like that. He's just using this fucking chair to beat the shit out of him. Nice. I want to point out, Darren, the entire reason I included this character, that's in canon. That's in the Disney canon. It was in a book I read called Aftermath about Hylomay Lightbringer who got beaten to death by a chair. Wow. Ugh. He went on some Wikipedia deep dive. Like you wouldn't fucking believe. Christ um, yep. So, <laughs> and Dagan just looks on like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but this is fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> so on the ship, um, Jake... Uh, Jake and Zesh are starting to use the force to build their lightsabers. They're holding their kyber crystal. Jake's goes blue. Zesh's goes purple. Blue, obviously. Sorry, green, apologies. Green to represent that he's a Jedi Master. Purple to represent that moral ambiguity. Okay. Uh, And Shay starts to confide within Tem, saying, well, I don't know where I sit in all of this. I've I've faced down the force hounds. I've tried to help as best as I can. I've tried to make your weapon possible. But if... If anything happens, if I go down, no one's going to remember me. I'm not a Jedi Knight. I'm not anybody that they're going to write down in the history books. I'm going to be forgotten. Uh, and Tem says, you know, you've been running from doing the trials because you never thought you were ready. And you nearly died at the hands of a force, uh, hands of a force hand. But that doesn't define you. What defines you will be saving the Jedi Order. will be letting this thing exist. As they're talking and Shay's just like yelling, like, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fail. I am going to be a Jedi. And her crystal starts glowing as well. Yeah. She gets a blue one. Um, and then they, they kind of share a smile. They're like, we're going to kick some fucking ass. Mm. Back to Tython. Ha! It's gone to shit. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so they all land. The group just land. They're like, right, fucking scramble. Um, Jake, Tem, Zesh, you need to go to the temple, make sure that everyone's okay. Shy, Hawk, you go and rescue Cora and just see if we can get anybody out alive. They get to the council room and Zesh enters alone, thinking I'm going to have to face down my old masters. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to let anybody else die. Um, Junta and Dagon are there and they're like, come back to our side. You need not be a lost lamb to the cause. Leave the weakness of the Jedi Order behind. Space lamb. Space lamb. Space lamb. Space lamb. And he refuses, lights up the purple lightsaber and says, I fight for the Jedi Order. Yeah. Um, so him and Dagon start having their duel. Ajunta's like, oh, pff, lost cause, walks out. Then you just get a long, you just hear, oi, down a corridor. Long tracking shot. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, lightsaber in each of their hand. Fucking, oh, no. it is go time. <laughs> God. Um, so they've got their green and yellow lightsabers ready and they head out to a balcony on top of the temple to start their duel with the fucking badass Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Shai's got her blue lightsaber and Hawk's using the proto saber. Don't worry, it's been recharged. Um, saying that they're not going to repeat the, mista- the mistakes of last time. This time we're going to fucking win. Um, so Q, in the words of my, of my pitch, Q some sick-ass battles. Zesh versus Dagon is a total lightsaber grudge match. Think like Obi-Wan versus Anakin. In, again, according to my notes, it's fucking nuts. Right. Uh, the room gets utterly trashed during the fight. Force powers are getting thrown left, right and centre. Fucking chairs everywhere. It's mental. Fatal blows are being traded until Zesh loses a fucking arm. It just straight off. And Dagon's pointing his lightsaber, well, the force saber at him and says, you should have stayed in line. You would have made an excellent apprentice, but now you're a lost cause. 
cut to another fight. Shea versus Trill out on the battlefield. It's an athletic fucking spectacle. The two fend off each other as well as like members of the opposing army's forces. Lots of flipping, lots of sliding, lots of jumping. It's two people at their peak physical forms heading off. But of course, the fucking title fight, the one we're all here, Tem and Jake versus Ajunta Pal, um, that's happening at the top. So we get this kind of intercut battle sequence. We're going back and forth between three really important duels. There's mm-hmm. fucking planes, planes. There's ships landing in the background. There's an air fight going on. Tython is a fucking war zone. Um, so uh, Zesh, one arm missing, is able to just sort of. He's kind of defeated. He's right. not looking fucking good. Dagon's about to do deal the killing blow until you see ships sort of lying up outside the fucking window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hawk Rio's flying one of them. He's like, "This is gonna feel familiar." And then like other like four other ships join him. There's a fucking line of them outside the window. Zesh takes this opportunity to use the force, pull over his lightsaber from his decapitated arm. Cut off um, Dagon's hand. He's got nothing to defend himself. Bah, 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 bah. He gets fucking pummeled by ship fire. Um, Shea versus Trill. It's looking pretty even. Uh, but then there's a Matrix-style bend back from Shea. She's able to avoid an attack and slice her lightsaber right up Trill's back. She doesn't fall in two, but right. she's fucking Not down. doing great. Okay. Not doing great. Um, the main event's going pretty well, though. So Tem and Jake are working together with coordinated lightsaber moves, working off each other. Think Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. Right. Um, Paul is able to injure Jake, which leaves Tem to fend for himself. It's the Jedi Master versus the one who couldn't pass the trials. Um, Jake throws his sword to Tem. It's like, okay, now it's looking like Anakin versus Dooku. Yes. It's fucking rad, Darren. Uh, (laughs) So Paul then casts his Force Saber aside. I don't need petty tools to help me and shoots Force Lightning at, at Tem. But he's able to kind of move in time with the Force and use both the swords to grab, like, either side of the arcing lightning, bring it back towards the middle, fucking face going, and then shoot it back at him. Uh, That ends the fucking fight. He is down. Um, So Tem threatens to impale Ajuntapal, but he instead just, like, slams his sword straight through the Force Sabres. Like, you don't get to play with these toys anymore. Nice. So as the battles, like the smoke on the battlefield, everyone's beat to fuck. It's like, oh, did we win? We won. And it's beautiful rising music and cut back to HR. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean sacked? Well, what we've got here is <clears throat> harboring a convict, grievous bodily harm to the council leader, insubordination, willingly tampering and weaponizing mining equipment and unauthorized creation of a highly dangerous laser weapon. Oh, and littering. Lots and lots <laughs> of littering. Um... <laughs> So we get this kind of thing. So Tem gets fired from his job at the at the forge, but it's fine because Jake's outside the uh, the council to say, "Don't worry, your request's been granted. <laughs> it's all going to be fine." Um, so a Republic uh, representative uh, comes and meets with the group, and you know, the Republic formally invites the Jedi Council to be their knights, to be mm-hmm. their protectors. Um, we see some surgery going on. Zesh is getting a cool fucking robot arm. He's the Winter Soldier now. He's cool. the Winter Soldier. And Cora's like meets him and says, you must be Zesh. He says, I choose a different name. I wish to be known as Tao. Mm-hmm. It's from the books. Right. Um, 
Hawk is shown to be, become a munitions es- expert and he's dealing dealing with combat classes. Shay has started something that's called the Gathering, uh, so she now goes back and forth between Tython and Elam, mm-hmm. uh, taking the younglings to build their lightsabers. And the most important shot at the end, it's the Jedi Trials, the same sweeping shot that we get into Akarkesh, the temple, where both Tem and Zesh, now known as Tau, so it's a line of fucking kids. And then Simon Pegg. <laughs> and then Simon Pegg, and they're both, you know, trying to summon their lightsabers. Yeah. So we cut back to that same shot from the beginning. Tem is able to pull the sword towards him. He gets a thumbs up from Robot Arm Winter Soldier Boy. And everything's going to be alright, Darren, because the Jedi Knights are here. Simon Pegg is one of them. The sword lands in his hand. He ignites the lightsabers here. Oh boy. Just shy. Hang on. Oh, oh. Bit of a stinger at the end for you, Darren. Yeah, okay, good. Gotta be done. So we go to an abandoned, like a desolate looking fucking planet. Confinement ship in pieces. A Junta Pal and Dagenlock got shot off into exile. They've landed on a planet and they're slaying the fucking natives. Um, and they're like, <laughs> so imagine like a village fucked, a bit like the one from the start. Mm-hmm. A Junta Pal lifts up one by the head and goes, By what name are you called? And this fucked looking demon kind of looking goes, The Sith drops him. It's like, we steal their land and we steal their name. They reveal, they pull the kyber crystals off their round from round their necks, and they go from now on the Sith Order shall reign supreme. And you see the crystals are, go, are glowing like a bright red. Yes, that's where you end it. For now, <gasps> due to editing, oh, not quite rigid, but you fell one minute short of an error. Oh, good, sweet Jesus Christ, Darren! That <laughs> you said you had Tiger Woods confidence. I now understand why you had Tiger Woods confidence in that picture. Good God, was that comprehensive? Uh, Wikipedia's been my bible for the last fucking month and a half, just trying to knock that thing out. So, Darren, <laughs> what we've done is introduced a run known as Dawn of the Jedi into canon. We've okay. taken the characters, we've taken the themes, we've taken the weaponry, we've taken the history. Uh, we've shifted the dates and we've got all these fucking characters playing together. Yeah. We are playing in the realm of the Old Republic, so it leaves space open to do stuff like Darth Bane directly afterwards. But what I wanted to do was show the birth of the Sith Order and the creation of the lightsaber in a fun, comedic, and more importantly, action-packed film. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't even... Oh. I think I'm going to need a second listen. Yeah. I mean, I've got the story well and good, but I'm just going to need a second. I might just have to send you that so you can just read through it. Yeah, please, we will put links to the Google working docs of these so you can read through it in full. Mine is not that long. It will not take us an hour to get through mine. I'm really sorry that took so long, but it was just... No, very well thought out. I like that you went a Rogue One way and just... I mean, even more so than Rogue One because even that had like a few people you recognised. Yeah. There is no one here. Yeah. I thought maybe a Yoda cameo but I was like no this is even still 6,000 years before he shows up so <laughs> yeah. uh, oh god I, I wanted to afford myself the freedom to just do a do what story you wanted. And, I and I wanted to do the story of the lightsaber yeah. and I was like well I'll go and find out who made the lightsaber and that was a fucking month oh no so, I, oh god I appreciate the the research I like I think because you pitched it first and foremost as a comedy 
I think that's where obviously the HR bits and, and few things here and there were good. I feel like a Star Wars comedy, it's it's a very difficult, tricky thing to do. Because mm. I don't know whether you just need to divorce it from not necessarily being you can't can't be a, a an unimportant movie necessarily, but you're dealing with such heavy canon and lore mm. and, and importance and death and big themes to then try and the juxtaposition works and yeah. all that big epic stuff and then a comedy, kinda of like Garden of the Galaxy to some extent. Where it's, you know, relatively high stakes in those movies. And yet there's a lot of comedy drama with it. Mm. I just felt like it needed more. It was not dramedy levels of crashing from the big opus stuff to comedy. But I, yeah. I think a bit of a... If, if that was your tent pole, it's the Star Wars comedy movie. Yeah, it's a fucking balancing act, man. That's I, I understand, though. It really is. I have not gone for comedy at all <laughs> in mine. Um, also, I'll just point out at this point. I'm going to dive into mine now. Um, so you had Game of Thrones cast in there, yep. American casts in there, yep. and Stranger Things cast in there. Forgot the Trinity. Hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> God, you don't want me watching on TV. Oh, God. Uh, right, now, now, earlier on I said, um, just a quick thing, uh-oh, there's a lot of parallels between mine and yours. Are we fucking kidding well, me? Well, okay, because the, the, the focus on um, certain aspects of it, yeah. and in fact... Yours and mine could be very nice counterpoints to each other. If yours went first, yep. mine could be almost a follow-on from that. Right. Um, now, yours, we checked before, was about ten pages long. Something like that. Something uh, mental. Mine's three. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't... Let's, let's, I'll, I'll be honest, brevity will save you. I, 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 that is such a good idea on paper. It's really well, hard thing, to You've got to explain everything. I haven't got to do that. Basically, yeah. I've just taken... Something I thought would be a really interesting aspect of the Star Wars lore that we haven't really gone in depth with. Well, we kind of have, but not under such an intense microscope as I'm about to put out. Uh, one of my favourite um, kind of canonical stories from... Um, I think it's mainly Legends. Some bits of it have to be carried in because it focuses on one of my favourite like B-level characters from the um, films. Mm. Um, yeah, but here we go. It's called Padawan, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Oh, again, Wikipedia has been consulted. I will admit the two stories that I'm kind of cramming together, I don't think line up. Right. But screw it. Um, here we go. So um, we open on the initiate trials <laughs> at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Uh, okay, this, so you've gone Coruscant, Yes, please. this is set um, circa, let's say, hang on, I've got, to, I've got to line this up. Right, so it's roughly about... 30-ish, 25 to 30-ish years before the start of Phantom Menace. Okay. So yours would canonically be the furthest, furthest, furthest back, yeah. but has no one in it. Yeah. This would be the earliest point we meet any of the known Star Wars characters. Yeah. So we open on the initial trials um, on Coruscant, a rite of passage for young Jedi. Um, it is used to show graduating younglings off to Jedi, who can take them on as Padawan, should they be um, fit and able to do so. Um, younglings are facing off against each other. So basically, just picture it's like a big kind of like a, like the Grand Hall in Hogwarts. So it's it's a bit more obviously it's a bit more like the Jedi Temple. There's pillars and everything. Yeah. So it's basically a pit in the middle, um, and all the all the younglings are sat cross-legged in like a in like a circle, mm-hmm. and all the all the Jedi Masters. It's one of their chill days. To be fair, they're just kind yeah. of leaning against pose. They're all there. Everyone's gathered from the Jedi Temple because it's a big event in the year, uh, but they're all just watching this initiate trials. Um, so the young ones are fighting off against each other and we see Yoda call up the final two competitors uh, Jedi Masters are watching intensely as two figures step out of the kind of crowd of cross-legged younglings 
uh, one sparks a purple lightsaber, <laughs> another one sparks a green uh, lightsaber. I think I know where we go. Yeah. Um, the intense fight begins, and it's a clash of styles. The purple lightsaber youngling is attacking with increasing violence, uh, but the green uh, lightsaber youngling is just absorbing everything. He's untouchable. Um, the aggression of the attacking youngling starts to get out of hand, but as he swings for a winning blow, uh, the green lightsaber kind of comes up to meet it, and uh, the match ends in a stalemate, basically. And Yoda instructs them to bow to each other, which they do, but they're kind of staring at each other as they go down. They're not leaving eye contact intense. Um, we cut to the gathered younglings, uh, all stood in front of Yoda, who has like, the Jedi Council and all the Jedi Masters gathered behind him. Yoda announces that... Now, I've got some visual aids. <laughs> uh, I'll attach these to the script. Um, we announce that the Shagarin... Jedi Master, this is a Shagarin. Cool. Uh, if you don't know, it's the guy who kind of helps out uh, Emperor Palpatine, big yeah. blue guy, horns coming out of his head and out of his tentacles. I probably things. should have done this for my different races, yeah, but oh well. Well, I'm more helpful than you are. Uh, his name is um, Turi Sahad, new character, mm-hmm. uh, played by Noah Emmerich. <laughs> so we've got the Beam and Seaman. Beam and Seaman. I'll explain the two new names when we get to the end. Uh, so yeah, his name is Turhei Sahad. I may change the pronunciation of that. Um, and he has selected the Kaminoan um, youngling, um, who's going to be played by Maisie Williams. So just a reminder, that's the Kaminoan. Yep. You know the Kaminoans. I do know the Kaminoans. Um, uh, and her name is, we've lost in script, there's uh, Fasba Godud hmm. is her name. Uh, she's played by, well, motion captor, but she's played by Maisie Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just imagine maybe William's going to be in you know, like a um, CGI suit, but with a big tennis ball sticking out of her head to indicate <laughs> where her head is. Um, Love it. So yeah, Camino. In case you don't know, they're from the planet Camino. They're the big, white, tall, the most close-looking, like actual human aliens that we see. Yeah, they're the and, ones... like airy interpretations of what um, aliens look like. They're the ones responsible for the clones. Yes, they are. So they're usually a secret society, but they are force sensitive. They are one of the races that are force sensitive. And I like Camino. It's one of my favourite parts of episode two, so I thought, screw it, I'm going to have a Camino in play by Maisie Williams, who, by the way, was at my campus the other day, and I didn't know. Aww. Well, I knew she was coming, and then completely forgot on the day, and then she left. Uh, so that's great. Um, so Sahad says, um, as his first Padawan, he will do all he can to impart knowledge on the young Fasper. Um, we then have uh, Mirialan, Jedi Master, Cislin Murr. Now, this is someone from canon. This is Cislin Murr. Okay. Uh, she is green. Um, looks a bit like Amora. Um, and she's, but with more spikes. Yeah, with more spikes. Uh, she's played by Kate Be- Beckinsale. Ooh. Um, and she chooses a young Mace Windu. <laughs> yeah. Um, played by Caleb uh, McLaughlin from, from Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. <laughs> there it is, Michael. Yes. Um, so he plays... Oh, I forgot his name. Oh, no. Oh, God. What? What's his name from Stranger Things? Um, Will. Oh, God. You've got um, Steve. Well, oh, God, it's Steve. so long to watch Stranger Things. Will, Mike, uh, oh, good God. Um, uh, we're going to have to look this up, aren't we? Well, yep. So, so, talk amongst yourself, Darren. Uh, every blah, 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 blah. Continue on and I'll um, get the thing. Okay, you, you look up what his name is. Okay. It's, it's him from Stranger Things. Um, no, so young Mace Windu uh, promises that she will teach him how to channel his anger in service of the Force. And finally, we see a slightly younger Count Dukal, Michael. Have you got the name? I do. He plays Lucas. Of course he does. He plays you. So Mace Windu has been played by the kid who plays Lucas in Stranger Things. Keep that up for a second. Will do. Um, finally, we see a young Count Dooku uh, being played by Ralph Fiennes, who I thought could do a pretty good young Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, chooses Qui Gon Jinn. Of course. Played by Finn Wolfhart. Yes. Who plays Mike? Who plays Mike from Stranger Things? 
uh, tending that he has the compassion to go for. Oh, um, sweet. Um, so we see the Padawans. So basically, it's the storytelling of everyone's favourite two Jedi Masters from um, the prequel trilogy. From the prequel trilogy, <laughs> from Phantom Menace. Um, now, canonically, this is one of the problems that in canon, Qui-Gon Jinn is a bit older than uh, Mace Windu, but I've just lined them up here to be the same age. Um, because R2-D2 is an unfortunate storyteller. He's an, he's an unreliable narrator, so it's great. Uh, we see the Padawans packing their things in their dormitories. Mace starts... Uh, states that he was the standout of the trials, believing he may uh, have set the win record. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is like giggling to himself, and when challenged by Mace, <coughs> sorry, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn simply states that he didn't understand the point of the trials. Uh, they weren't counting wins, they were reading their character, and you came within an inch of losing your control. I'm surprised that Master Mir took a chance on someone so unstable. Hmm. Uh, oh no, I've messed up my thing. <laughs> um, oh god, this is, I should have read it off my phone. This is going really well. Really, really good. Uh, Mace, visibly pissed off, starts throwing things with the Force. Qui-Gon is just... Because he's just the defensive master at this point. He's just blocking everything, deflecting everything. Um, and then he throws Mace's bag in his face. Uh, Mace charges at Qui-Gon, but this is where Fastbear kind of stands between them and stops them and uses the Force to kind of, like, blow them back <laughs> a little bit. And he's like, right, keep this up and Yoda will have you both working for the Agri-Corps, which is the kind of... The band of the Jedi Order that the ones who fail go to... Fail is a strong word, but those that don't get picked to be a Padawan yeah. are sent there. And it's basically like the peacekeeping branch. Not peacekeeping, sorry. They're like the um, like the UNICEF of the Jedi Order. So they they go to worlds not to be diplomats and to be knights. They're there to help grow food uh, and stuff like that. So like the UN outreach, basically, of the Jedi yeah. Order. Uh, you can get sent there if you're not sent to be um, like a studier of the force, like a scholar, you end up in the Agri-Corps. So it's kind of seen as like when you're training up, it's like being in Hufflepuff. They don't really want to be in there, <laughs> but you might end up there. Um, we get some scenes of Mace and Qui-Gon training with their new masters. Um, now, this is the bit I had to crow bar in there because there is one story featuring young Mace Windu and uh, Master Mia, which annoyingly throws off my better version of this story. Yeah. But we see both the Padawans go on off-planet missions, only really quickly. Um, this is largely to cover, like I said, the canon story that Mace Windu going off-world. Um, but they all get called back to the Jedi Temple for an emergency. Um, there is an emergency meeting of the Jedi Council. The Senate has received a distress ball from the planet Kali. Um, the Hook, now the Hook are the praying mantis looking things uh, from, you've probably seen it best in New Hope in the cantina scene. Yes, yes. Um, so they are um, uh, the praying mantis looking things, as I said. Um, they invaded the homeworld of the Kalish which is General Grievous' original race before ah. he got turned into a robot. Now, um, the Kalis kind of keep their face covered. This is what they usually look like. Okay. Think tribal General Grievous. <laughs> um, that's what they look like without the mask on. Ah, okay. uh, and this is like a canon story. They do war with the hook all the goddamn time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you've got these like mad-looking... The, the Kalish kind of look like... They're, they're humanoid, basically. They look a bit like Sebulba, less like... They don't walk with their hands or anything, but, you know, that kind of... They've got yeah, like, brain skin, etc. Yeah, yeah. They're warrior people. like, or like Kind of like the Mandalorians, but yeah. not as technologically advanced. They're like tribal barbarians. Yes, exactly that. Um, and they are constantly warring with the praying mantis people. Um, so the Hook have launched an invasion of their home planet um, of Kali. Um, and the entire planet is consumed by war. Um, and the Kali have finally been able to send a distress call to the Senate. Uh, the Republic have got a problem on their hands, though. 
they're asking the Jedi to step in uh, to find a peaceful way to kind of end the fighting because the Hook, the invading Praying Mantis people, are a member of the Galactic Republic and the Kalish are not. So that's kind of the problem here. Like, yes, the Hook are doing the bad thing they're invading at the moment, but the Galactic Senate represents them and therefore should be on their side, but obviously they've got a distress call. The Jedi are going in to sort this out. Um, so Dooku, Mia and Sahad are tasked as the negotiators. Um, so obviously they take their Padawans along with them. In the original version, before I had to crow in a little bit, this was the Padawans' first off-world mission, the mm. first time they're leaving Coruscant since coming to the Jedi uh, Temple. Um, during the flight there, another fight breaks out between Window and... Uh, between Window. window. <laughs> Through the window. Shut up. <laughs> um, uh, breaks out between Windu and uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, this time, Jin is the instigator, goading Mace by taunting him about being the worst Padawan possible to come on a diplomatic mission. Um, Mace attacks, and their scuffle actually damages the ship. We just get a cool scene here of like the Jedi using the Force to repair the ship in flight. Um, you know, so they're using their lightsabers to weld shit together, and they're using the Force to like pull things back together. Uh, they're reprimanded by Dooku and Mia, but Sahad kind of laughs it off and saying, oh, boys will be boys. Um, <laughs> it's quite like the idea of them holding shit like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, the Jedi arrive on Kali. Um, they negotiate a temporary ceasefire and sit down with the leaders of the Kali and the Hook. Obviously, the leader of the Kali would be General Grievous. Um, so we don't, I, I don't actually think in Kali you know what his real name is. He's kind of surrounding mystery. Um, but they, they they have sitting down at the table with both members of the party. Um, both sides have legit heat with the other one. Uh, the hook point out the centuries of enslavement they had under the Kalish prior to them being liberated by the Republic and then them joining the Republic themselves. Mm. Um, and the Kalish just claim to be defending their home planet. So both sides kind of have points to bear. Yeah. Um, but both um, are very hostile towards the Jedi. They kind of want to sort this out themselves. They don't like this interference. And the anger just kind of builds and builds. No diplomatic solution is going to happen. And uh, General Grievous just stands up and orders the Jedi to be captured. Um, so just shit breaks down instantly. Um, everyone opens fire and it's oh Christ. So lightsaber sparking. It's just like... Because um, we've never seen like a, like a lot of people fighting in a small place in um, Star Wars. It's either two people in a confined space or lots of people in open battlefield. Yeah. This is like in like one of the huts that the collision built <laughs> and everything goes off. Oh, fuck. Um, so Dooku instructs the Padawans, right, you get back to the ship and get a distress call. We're just going to try and fight our way out of this and, and regain order. Uh, the Padawans escape. They're fleeing through the jungle. Kalish is like quite jungly. Um, they arrive back at their ship um, and Fastbird is the one that runs inside. She's going to go and um, send the distress call whilst Mace Windu and Clive Engineer are outside defending. Um, but obviously this fight that side in the hut is now the, the war is back on um, so she has managed to get a distress call out um, but a strafing run by a hook gunship blows up their ship and Fasper's dead oh shit so Major Williams the Camino and is dead oh no um, and Wind, Gina and Windu kind of get blown like hit by the reverb and just fly off into the jungle into a small ravine they're fucked um, so we cut to the three Jedi are holding off the Kalish. They're doing a pretty decent job. These are three highly trained Jedi Masters. But we sense Sahad sense Fasper's death through the Force, and he just falls to his knees. Dooku and Mir kind of close ranks, but like they're outnumbered now. Um, seeing that it's not going to end well, they kind of there's this great bit where they kind of do the Jedi cease like way of surrendering, which is they throw up their hands, but that stops all the blaster fire. 
So they just go, woof. <laughs> like how um, Kylo Ren does it. Yeah. But on like a bigger scale. It's just like that. And if all the blasters stop, they all drop. And they just go, we surrender. <laughs> so um, they are captured by the Kalishan Franger. Uh, Jin and Windu are now separate from everybody else with no means of communication. Uh, they're both panicked but are convinced help is coming. You know, the distress signal went out. Why wouldn't the Republic get here like immediately? Um, we also see the captured Jedi with Sahad very emotional about the death of his Padawan and Dooku and Mira clearly worried about him. Uh, we see the Jedi flight arri- um, arrive, but they're kind of blocked out by the Hook invasion blockade. They're about to go and attack, but the Republic like, no, you can't attack a member of the Republic. No, they're still our people. No matter what's going we don't know what's going on down there. We have the you know word of a Padawan. We don't know what's going on there. You cannot engage on the surface. You must, like, they're, they're annoyed about it, but the Jedi, right, we have to stay up here. We can't do anything. A lot of political intrigue here of like this kind of, we want to fight, but we can't because of the charters, um, <laughs> which is always fun. Because almost as good as Jedi HR. Exactly, yeah. So, um, so Mace and Qui-Gon see this. They see that the Jedi have arrived. Obviously, they, they look up. Like when uh, Coruscant was under attack, the hook are in low Earth orbits. Yeah. And uh, like the attack on, in Rogue One, the kind of tropical planet, what was that called? Oh, God. Cra- <clears throat> not crate. Um I know which one you mean. Uh, right, so... Like, I'm going to look it up, but I know which one you mean. Please do look it up. So, again, they can see the Jedi arrive, but they're not attacking. Um, and Jin susses out, you know, the Republic obviously stopped them attacking a Republic country, a uh, Republic planet, so that's where it is. Um, they decide they need to get to a nearby comms tower to let the Jedi know that it was a hook ship that blew up Fasper, not a Kalish ship. Oh. So that might be enough for them to for the Jedi to go, right, the hook have turned hostile against the Republic. We in. Um, <laughs> Love it. Um, they have to sneak into a hook camp to do this. Uh, meanwhile, Sahad sees the Jedi fleet not saving them, and his mind goes. He just oh. snaps. He uh, uses Force Lightning to electrocute the entire Kalish guard holding him hostage. Because the Jedi, if they really wanted to, could just easily murder everybody. But they're trying to be diplomats. He does not care. He murders a bunch of Kalish with, with Force Lightning. Um, Dooku and me try to interfere but he uses the force to kind of blow them back Dooku is knocked out um, a tortured Kalish he just gets a guy a Kalish with the force lines like open the cell <laughs> he's torturing this geezer and he eventually opens it up um, walks free and then just kills the Kalish he was torturing anyway uh, Mir kind of regains consciousness and she attacks Sahad and they're going at it um, but Sahad is now fighting back he's turned to the dark side um, Sahad is much better than Mia, wounds him mortally, and escapes. He's off to go and just murder everybody. Um, Dooku wakes up just to comfort uh, a dying Master Mia. Scarif. Scarif, of course it is. (laughs) Sorry, Um, had to do that when I found it. There we go. So, um, the sneaking through the camp is going well until Jin and and Windu are kind of found. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have to fight their way to the comms tower with May saving Qui-Gon from uh, an attack at one point. Uh, Qui-Gon lets the Jedi know they're going to the tower um, this again I didn't script it as much as you do Michael it seems sorry, like I've done less work um, but you know they're just fun of them kind of because they're Padawans they're not going to be fighting back all massively they're yeah. using the force to like dodge out the way of things block defend you're seeing the Jedi on the back foot hmm. untrained Jedi on the back foot only have the force to their name to kind of you know block stuff um, they get to the comms tower and they send out the um, fleet knowing it was the hook that killed Fasper and they we get this fucking kick 
ass scene mm. of we don't we've never seen this we've never seen the Jedi fleet on mass descend on a fucking plane <laughs> and we don't see it's not the Republic doing this Republic gunships are not going down it's the Jedi I uh, like the Jedi starfighters yes ah. the Jedi are descend they are fucking descending on a planet <laughs> what would it look like if the Jedi invaded a fucking planet so and we get a really because obviously they're in low earth orbit they're not in space mm. you see Jedi with like breathing masks and jetpacks like come out of the ships and they're jumping ship to ship with lightsabers in hand <laughs> but blowing up ships but like with lightsabers oh. whilst the rest of the fleet is kind of near the blockade's broken they're just in they're swarming <laughs> in Jedi starfighters oh, I've always wanted to see like a full on Jedi assault on a place um, so literally just there we have a kick ass scene with the Jedi fleet um, <laughs> we see capitals. Qui-Gon and Mace are just running through this like chaos we also see Dooku kind of joining the fray. Everyone's attacking him, so it's okay for him to start attacking back now. He's yep. defeating Kalish. Should say the Kalish aren't just like you know armed with like blades of glass. They do have like pretty cool weapons that they've been using. So yeah. it's not as one sided as him just like you know killing. It's like natives. the lightning weaponry they all had on uh, in episode three. Yeah, think like General Grievous's guards. So yeah. he they've got weapons. They're not as elegant and sophisticated as a lightsaber, yeah. but you know they're going to do a job at repelling. It's yeah. not just one sided. This so we actually Dooku fight you know, different type of enemies on mass. That should be pretty sick. So he's looking for Sahad. He's, you know, he needs to, he's, you know, got to avenge Jedi Master Mia. Uh, he finds him trying to commandeer a ship uh, and they become engaged in a lightsaber battle. This is your big kind of, you know, two masters going at it whilst all this chaos is going on around him. And I'd frame it like, obviously we're panning in on them, but you never lose sight of the chaos kind of happening around them. Because yeah. again, we had Obi-Wan versus Anakin, but there's, Yes, there's lava in the background and stuff like that, but it's not like there's an actual fight going on around them. That's kind of what I want to emulate. The two best things Star Wars does, big old battle scenes and lightsabers at the same time. Mm. So the chaos of war, but we're just focusing on these two people fighting their way through it whilst fighting each other. Uh, Dooku wins. Uh, mate, he kills Sahad, takes a ship, saves Jin and Windu, and uh, as the hook were like kind of stamping on them, he gets them out of there and they're off. Um, both Padawan share their fangs so the Jedi kind of take over the planet Republic rule is kind of put in and that's the end of that story um, both Padawan share their fangs with each other back on Coruscant Mace says that the mission taught him that violence is not always the way and Jin sees that although um, they are honourable the Jedi Order aren't perfect and maybe don't have all the answers so obviously this is because Qui-Gon Jin seen as a bit of a like a renegade not like crazy or anything, but he's a bit... He didn't think the same way as everyone else does. No. So this was the mission that kind of showed him, like... You know, the Jedi Order aren't always perfect. You know, there's too many rules. There's too many this, too many that. They're too, you know, beholden to what the Republic wants. Um, now, the, the ending scene is... I like all those scenes I read it. This is potentially my favourite one. Right. So we also see Dooku meditating with Yoda, explaining that the experience shook his faith in the Order. You know, he, Sahad went full on mental, but Dooku was not like, it wasn't lost in him. Like, we lost lives, we nearly lost, we lost a Padawan, we nearly lost two more. We've lost two of a Jedi because of the meddling of the Republic in the Jedi. He's already been a political mind. He was a king on his planet. That's why he's the Kent Dooku. And, and he's not, he's never been all that comfortable with how close the Republic are but that's this has really shaken him and he's hoping this meditation is going to you know help him focus his mind um, 
You can see that Yoda's worried about this, though, and he, he asks if he's straying from the light side of the Force. <laughs> and he says, no, Master, but I am not the same man who left for Kali. Um, the final scene. <laughs> we see Dooku attending a Senate hearing on the attack. So we're in the Senate chamber of all the pods and stuff. Yeah. But he's, like, um, right at the back. He's not, like, a Falcon boy. Yeah. Um, he's got the hook scale off lightly because they're a member of the uh, Republic. And... Um, so a person walks up next to him and he says, politics, <laughs> it's the powerful protecting the guilty. Um, and Ken Duke says, well, I can see you as jaded as me, and yet you wear the robes of a politician. <laughs> um, and the hoodie guy said, change must come from within. Uh, offers his hand, Jedi Master Dooku, Chief Palpatine. <laughs> come, I feel there is much we have to discuss. <laughs> and we're out of there. <laughs> I like it. So I've smashed together. I was like, I love General Grievous. We don't have enough General Grievous in our lives. I'm going to bring him back to Kalish. We get to see him in his fucking prime. Because he's basically, like, do you know how Django Fett, I say there's, there's legend stories where Django Fett is basically seen as, like, God mm. to the Mandalorians. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing for General Grievous. He was the fucking king of his people. Fucking, like, it's the same type of tribal mentality where your best warrior is basically seen as akin to a god. Yeah. So he's a big fucking deal on his planet. And, like, they, you know, this could also be a way of them two becoming aware. Don't think it was lost on me that it involves Dooku, Emperor Palpatine, and General Grievous, your big <laughs> driving force of episode two and three. Of them all getting in each other's orbit and all kind of becoming aware of each other. We could even, if we really wanted to, crowbar in a scene where we have a stalemate between General Grievous and Kent Dooku. Oh, that would be On the planet. I mean, that because they're being captured. You could have Mir and Sahad trying to fight them off whilst those two are going hammer and tongs at each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking glorious. That would be great. Um, and obviously that explains General Grievous' dislike of the Jedi because they came in and fucked up his entire plan. Mm. The, the Kali were... They were doing okay. They were being invaded by the Hulk, but they were holding their own. Um, so that the Jedi coming in kind of ruined everything. The whole thing is called off. The Hooks kind of get half the planet. It's not great. So that instills that. We get some more time with Ken Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn. I know it's not Sam Jackson and Liam Neeson, but it's pretty close. We love the Stranger Things kids. And yeah, I just wanted to take my Kali Hook War and Young Padawans and go fucking get together. Um, so it's all, the, I've just cherry picked the prequels of all the things I like <laughs> yeah. and just put them all in this fucking movie. Oh. Uh, I just want to point out two things. I'm so pleased with this. So, um, Ture Sahad and Fasba Gadud, when I, I went on the Jedi name generator <laughs> and put in, so uh, Ture Sahad, um, first name, heel. Second name, Turn. <laughs> Favourite actor, Satan. Hometown, Hades. Which gives you the name Teresa Had. Uh, and Youngling Fassbigger Dud, Jedi name generator. First name, Baby. Second name, Face. Favourite actor, Good. Hometown, Dude. <laughs> so he was originally a bloke, but I thought, no, we could have some more women here, so that's what I was so that is basically Darren Guthrie presents the greatest hits of the prequel, <laughs> featuring wrestling jargon. Yeah. Oh god, that's my movie. You know what? Brevity was a savior. Yeah. Um, I appreciate how your story takes characters that we've already uh, encountered, and we see an early point and track their development. It feels more in line with what Disney would make, mm. having now seen. Uh, Rogue One and yeah. Solo so it feels more in that Disney wheelhouse yeah. which is good um, to me it's like 
I think the, I do like it. Mm. My pick apart problem with that would be we say okay. We initially we didn't get the grievous Dooku duel that I want. No, okay. But and can, can we put that in? That's, no, that's canon. Fantastic. Um, and I really liked the rivalry between Windu and yeah. Quiggy, but that kind of gets resolved. It does. Quite yeah, I could have. I again, had I known we were going ten pages, I would have expanded yeah. on that. That's not. I, that's the. I, I'm usually too focused on like action scenes, big things, fun things to actually do like because those require full scripting to do those yeah. type of scenes where that kind of rivalry. Because I want to show they are, you know, two halves of kind of problem childs within the Jedi Order. Neither yeah. of them really fit the mould because if you read any of the stories on Mace Windu, it is like famous. He's not a normal Jedi. Yeah. He has invented his own fighting style because he taps into... He, he, he like he doesn't so much go into the dark side of the Force that he kind of, you know, cracks the window a little bit and has a quick breathe and a quick look out and, ooh, <laughs> yeah. and then he shuts the window again. Such is the meaning of the purple lightsaber, which is what I introduced in my script. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I liked... How it started, I really liked the the vision of them fucking facing down, yes. and there being a heated rivalry, mm. and it just yeah, it kind of leaves that in the second half. It's, it's a bit of a shame because it's really good fucking element, and it might have been because I was trying to search for the word scarif. Yeah, but the whole bit where you know one of which master goes insane, uh, Teresa Had Teresa Had goes fucking mental. Yeah, and that seemed not to be built to as Up big to, of no. a point. So like, if he's I, th- I thought it would have been a better idea to have Grievous as your big bad, but yep. you kind of make him out to be the big bad, and I've got nothing wrong with a heel turn. I had two in my script. Yeah. But, like, it didn't feel as monumental. Well, but I appreciated the scale, that it was just, it was like, <laughs> I don't know why I thought it of it like Platoon, but I thought of it like Platoon. Yeah. I appreciated well, this one, it. We kind of had, Rogue One was the war movie. I yeah. wanted this to make this, like, the Jedi movie but I, I thought you know you've gone full-blown the other way of like basically old republic jedi order which is fucking great because then you, you just you are then focusing on the jedi and not name, name characters you're more on the concept than you are the individuals but I, I this thing i wanted in a longer version of this there's a lot more jedi stuff than anything else it's a real kind of deconstruction of why the jedi order wasn't really working mm. before the prequels and it sets up... So Sahad is kind of there to be, like, a more instant standing for what happens to Dooku. Of, like, you know, the Jedi are not... Just the thing, the, the Jedi Order, in kind of fairness, they're quite useless near the end. Yeah. There's too much bureaucracy. There's there's too much faffing about. There's too much reluctance to even consider the dark side. It's just... It's black and white. That's all shit. That's a weakness of George Lucas writing, to be fair. Mm. Just, there is evil and there is good and there's nothing in between. Um, and for all their problems, um, Force Awakens and Last Jedi are at least trying to examine that and kind of, you know, point out these flaws in the Jedi. So this would be kind of channeling with what they're doing. I just, I think I just really want to knit together a lot of my favourite things from <laughs> yeah. Legends early on and just go, I like all these things. I'm just going to cram them all together. And you're right, with longer scripting and more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dialogue heavy scenes, I think we would have got there earlier. So yeah, the turn for Sahad is kind of sudden. Um, because I, I just needed... I wanted a Jedi to go bad. Yeah. Just so we're not... You know, it's not just so the Count Dooku's... So that we, we get to see that it's not a rare occurrence. It's not yeah. just the key characters. It's... We are examining... For all these characters we know, we're looking at very different aspects of a kind of... Not a broken Jedi Order, but not one that 
you know, in you get to New Hope and it's like they just make it, oh, it's just a load of Buddhist monks with laser swords. Like they're all fucking good. versus the space Nazis. Yeah, they're all great. They're all white. There's nothing wrong with all of them. They are fantastic and the best, and you should not question them. And they're stiff. They're just fucking dirt worse, natty, evil bastards. This is like you've got one who's overly aggressive, one who's you know kind of too set in his ways and too believing in the Jedi ideals. You've got um, a kind of suspicious Count Dooku. Um, Teresa had turning bad, and you know his Padawan died, but Padawan, Padawans and Jedi's die all the time, and and he had that little connection with the Force that just fucking straight away he didn't even attempt to go light side, just fucking straight off. Um, and then the kind of the public versus the Jedi, just too close to each other, too much bureaucracy. They could have got in and saved that whole thing. If the Jedi just fucking descended on a war-torn planet straight away, none of this shit would have happened. But yeah. I want to point out, mm. we've had two pitches now. They do share a lot. Yes. Three things that I thought that I thought you would do, and I don't know whether you thought that I would do. Go on. Three really, like, quite obvious pitches that neither of us went for. None of us went for the Kenobi picture. Well, because I thought Kenobi was going to be... Well, between when we first started this and now, I was 100% sure Kenobi would be officially announced, because it was kind of the worst-kept secret. Yeah. And we're still not 100% sure that it's been stopped, because I think it'd be a bit weird if they just had two spin-off series. Mm. Star Wars only worked in trilogies. Yep. So I have to believe... The Kenobi's going to happen. Kenobi's still happening. We just don't. They're not being rah-rah about it, because... Yeah. I think they're hopeful that episode 9 will restore good faith in the Star Wars movies. We'll get our one movie and then we'll have a break for Hope, movies. Hopefully. that would then probably line up by the time Mandalorian's ready to go. Yeah, hopefully. So there's that. So no, I didn't pick Kenobi. No. Is one of the other ones going to be Yoda? No, well, Yoda's one of them. But Yoda we're... is a fucking minefield that I am not ready to do. Yeah, no. Neither of us went for... And not straight up an old Republic movie or Darth Bane. Mm. Neither of us touched that. I don't like the old Republic games. Fair Couldn't enough. get into them. So. And neither of us touched what I thought was going to be your movie. I was convinced it was this. I thought you were doing the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Ooh. I thought you were doing that. No. I was like, right, he's doing the fucking Pal- Palpatine as a Padawan. That's the way he's going. I was convinced. No. And you went with Quiggy and Windu. I did. I did. No. And I like it. I have a problem with villain movies. Mm. You know this. I ranted and read about Venom for a long. You don't want. You don't want to make the fucking the Star Wars version of Maleficent. No one wants to do that. So that's why I avoided that one. The only other thing that crossed my mind. This was again before Mandalorian was in it. Was I also love fucking Jango Fett? Mm-hmm. Jango Fett's a fucking boss. Not so much a Boba Fett guy. Jango Fett better. So I was considering that, but I was like, I don't know what. Often they're just fun bounty things. I'm happy to... Well, it's not the Django Fett movie. It's, it's not the TV show. It's just the Mandalorian. Mm. I'm glad they've gone with that. I think that's an easier story to tell on a TV show than it is a movie. Yeah. Um, and no, I just wanted to do more Quiggy. I wanted Grievous. <laughs> I wanted all, And I just, yeah. God, I want to see that scene of them... Of a Jedi <laughs> attack. Because it's, it's usually like an army doing it. Like a regimented do this. Uh, yeah. Not just fucking mystical space wizards. <laughs> Fucking attacking a load of praying mantises in space. <laughs> Which, you know, if you break it down, it is all that is. That's a fucking sentence, isn't it? Whew. Now, we have a pros and cons of each approach, but of course it's over to you to pick which one of us you think did the better job. So whether you want to go with my pitch, Elegant Weapon, A Star Wars Story, the Edgar Wright-directed Star Wars comedy set thousands of years in the past, or whether you want to go with Padawan, A Star Wars Story... You didn't have a director, did you? Uh, no, I did not. No. The story of young Quiggy and young Mace Windu, off-world, think of it as Platoon. 
Whichever one you want to go for, do let us know in the comments on SoundCloud. Do let us know on our Facebook and our Twitter profiles, which is at FowlENT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. We are also now on Spotify, so hopefully you can find us on there. You can subscribe to us. You can get notified when new episodes come out, which would be fucking great. You can go and contact me on social media at that Mike Owen on Twitter and Instagram. And you can go and find Darren under The Gutreach on Twitter and Dazzle the G at Instagram.com. Lovely. Um, their next uh, see, uh, next pitch well, episode. That. that was close. Uh, next pitch is going to be uh, a sequel to a movie that didn't get one mm-hmm. that we would like to see. Um, phew, Might boy. be a bit of a ter- tables being turned it on that one, I feel. It seems that way. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up next. And a new show is coming. Don't worry. We're we planning just, it. We're getting the, the few last minor details together. Um, and you'll hear about that, of course, on our social media channels. Okay, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pitch Intense. Please go and listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you feel like. Right, comment, subscribe. Yes, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.